are you going to edit all this? I hope, or are people going to listen to this whole thing? If somebody made it to the end, if you made it this far, wow. <laughs> wow. You're hardcore. Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, Levi Nunez joins me. He's an accomplished musician who's turned his talents into writing psychedelic rock songs themed around old school modules. His work is done under the band moniker, Loot the Body. Levi has two albums out, Random Encounters and The Expedition to Barrier Peak Songbook. He's currently on the threshold of releasing his third album, Hex Volume 1. Sisters and brothers, it's time to get rambling. Hello, Levi. Hello. So you are the band, the the famous Loot the Body. I'll take famous, sure. I'll take it. For better or worse, I am Loot the Body. You are Loot the Body. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so you've got this, uh, where I um, came across you was the, the, the Barrier Peaks album that you yeah. did. So before we get too far into all the, all the groovy, psychedelic, uh, prog rock, uh, so what's your, and also it looks like the, the music you put out is kind of based on old school modules. So what is your gaming experience? So my gaming experience is, Actually, I don't go very far back. Like I go far back with the Appendix N element of it, with the fantasy, the books that inspired it. And certainly, you know, I was born in the early 70s. So in the 80s, I definitely remember seeing uh, D&D books. But actually, what I remember seeing more than anything was like my friend's older brothers would have binders of stuff they would photocopy because nobody actually owned the books. They just had, you know, they'd go to the school office or the library and photocopy somebody else's you know what i mean yeah but nobody so, realized how expensive that was yeah, back then so yeah. if you were able to get a school to do it exactly well you know at the library there would be a photocopy machine that nobody or a mimeograph or whatever it would be that people weren't paying attention or somebody's mom worked at the school but the thing about that is i'm terrible at math and it was all math it was i mean the cover was one thing and you'd open it up and the art was <laughs> yeah. great but when you'd really try to get into it it was math you know so I didn't really start playing until um, it was possible to watch people play and to listen to people play through podcasts or YouTube. And that really clicked for me. I was like, oh, that's what it is. So this is really quite a span of time. It's very new for me. It's very new for me. Um, uh, You know, I read Fritz Leiber, of course. I read Tolkien. I read the Dying Earth books. Excuse me, Robert Heinlein and all those things that were very influential, Michael Moorcock. I mean, I, I was well-versed in, in the the books. You know, I love sci-fi and the movies. And so when I finally saw people play, I was like, you idiot, that's what it is. Like, I really didn't get it. I didn't get it, you know? So, um, wait, so, so you, you had these, you looked at them, and you just sort of locked up, and you just sort of sat at us. Because, no, I didn't have – I'd seen them, but nobody – well, first of all, there wasn't any group I could join. Nobody I knew. So what sort of community did you grow up in? Like, Here in it- Southern California, Catholic elementary school. So okay. that probably also tells you some of the <laughs> reason why it was not something that would, would you know, come I, that I could come by easily. Um, and the books were really expensive, too, you know. So, yeah, I didn't. And then when I got to middle school, my brother 
played, but he, it was him and his friends. So I wasn't going to be invited to that. Right. Um, my older brother. So it really took until like, I walked into a gaming store and I saw, um, I was, cause I, you know, I was going to, I forget what I was going to buy, but I saw it was the, um, Goodman games, uh, dungeon crawl classics that really the art of it. Right. Doug Kovacs, took Kovacs's work to me was like, that is Iron Maiden. That's Judas Priest. That yeah. is, you know, that it really hit me from that. It was like, that's what I love about that. And in that sense of what I love in the music is what I love in the games. You know, it's, there's an overlap for me. The overlap is so obvious, um, which is why when people tell me, really, like you make music about what, <laughs> you know, but for me, it's a lot of these modules. Like, and, and, and the fact that people make playlists tells you I'm not the only one. You know, people, I'm going to play a game. It's going to be Yes. It's going to be Hawkwind. It's going to be, you know, or whatever bands right. are evocative for people. The link to me is very obvious. Um, I'm straying here. So, yeah, I didn't play. I, I didn't play when I was younger. It wasn't until really Dungeon Crawl Classics. And also um, Mouse Guard was the first RPG that I played because it was so easy to teach yourself. I taught myself and then I, I taught people how to play. And that was really... Um, you know, that's not that old a game. So my gaming no. experience is pretty recent. It's probably right around when, when Mouse Guard came out or I, I don't know when Dungeon Crawl Classics came out, but I definitely remember seeing that display with the, and the other thing is it's all in one book. You don't need a Dungeon Master's Guide. You don't need, it's all in one book. Um, and the funnel too, the idea of with DCC, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's a great way in to the game. Like just make, make five of these guys, they're all going to die. You're going to have a blast go. You know, it was very liberating in that sense, as opposed to, you know, race and class and multi-classing and this and all these things that aren't really a barrier once you get them. But if nobody's handholding you, each of those little things can really be tricky. You know, for someone like me, like I'm, I, I don't learn well from books like that. You know, I really need to see it or do it. Yeah, and even going back, you know, thinking about the uh, because I, well, I didn't start it with, but I ended up with doing advanced D and D was our was our main thing. But you know, looking at the DM screen with the, you know, with the tables and the from ten to minus ten, and and I, I can see where that. There's a lot of, I guess, I don't want to say unnecessary, but there's just a lot of unnecessary things that were kind of thrown out there that could have been vastly simplified that I could see where it would be overwhelming. Well, I, th I think really there's like five things. If you know those five things, you can play. And and the books didn't do a good job of making that point. Like, you know, really, you just got to take, you know, these things or, or these are your stats. That's all you'd really yeah. got to do. And you just, you know, roll in this case or you roll in that case and that's it. Play. You know, um, it always seemed like calculus or something. You, it was hard to tell what was a detail and what was really crucial just from, for me, you know, from perusing the books. And it, this, it's more about a statement about me at that time, you know, it seemed well, impenetrable. Even like the, the Dungeon Master's Guide, I mean, it, it just threw everything in there. So if you were yeah. to look at that, you're like, I got to put all this in there. Yeah. I got to roll for disease every time I go into a swamp. Right. You know, and like... I could see where you, where all that stuff was just optional, really. Yeah. And you and have no way of knowing that. Until I saw people play or until yeah. I heard people play. And then the fun of the storytelling, because the world, you know, the world is really, I love the worlds. You know, that's if the music to me, I try to be evocative of the worlds too. 
um, with all the reading the books, you don't really get a sense of the flavor as much as when you play, when you're, oh, that's what it's about. And then the other thing too is, and this is the strength of the game that you don't figure out is you can play your game however you want to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know? And that I wish, I wish that was sort of emblazoned on the first page. You can play however you want to. Um, it took a while to, because you want to play the right way. What's the right, am I playing the game the right way? And then you figure out, no, just have fun. You know? Yeah, and I think I was pretty fortunate for whatever reason, I was able to persevere with the original, I can't remember which, wherever that blue box was. The I, Holmes, there, the Holmes box? That it must have been. And the, it had the uh, the um, uh, Keep on the Borderlands. I was able to kind of do it, but then I, I got some friends that played. Mm-hmm. But I think we just didn't know any better, and we were just doing it badly, but didn't know any better. But that was And those okay. stories, and I don't know that, but I didn't know that then, but now those stories are so common of people saying, Oh, we played the wrong way for three years. We had a blast. <laughs> we did terrible things. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or we, or we started hacking and we just started, you know, it's just terrible hacks. Just yeah. terrible. You look like, I look back like, you know, what were we thinking? But those were heady days. But right. Yeah. But you didn't, ha- but you didn't have a community. It was just you, right? I didn't. I did not have a community. So I live right in the middle of corn. Okay. I live south of Chicago, corn desert. Okay. So. Small town, nothing going on. Where you lived in, you know, one of the probably a very beautiful part of the country with wonderful weather, with lots of things going on. Where we have winter, yeah, yeah. lasts forever. Yeah, <laughs> like, we did not have winter. Yeah, so so I think we were kind of uh, so some of us were able to. I think that's where a lot of times it's there was more of a community in the smaller towns in the more of the Midwest because there was not as much to do and the weather was. You you might be right. So the game I play in right now, my friend Chris grew up in the Quad Cities, and he's our he's our our DM, and that may I have to ask him if that's a factor or not. But he's definitely played you know his whole life. He's he's sort of one of the guys that's guiding me into this whole world now. Well, and I think for me it, it's you know you know because growing up, you know the 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 nerd culture was looked down upon and we kind of, in the way I saw, we did things because there was nothing else, but it's, it's fascinating to me that, you know, that the hobby's kind of grown to the point that now it's popular. People want to yeah. play and it's not just, you know, people like me, it's, you know, all sorts of people. Yeah. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that by now people have seen what it is. People have seen it. You see it, you know, be it, Stranger Things or whatever it might be, you see what it is and you're like, oh, I want to do that. And that pushes you through the entry, you know, the learning the rules and whatever it might be. Right. Um, yeah. I, which I, I mean, that's why I play, you know. Well, I think it's definitely as far as a social, because I would tell, I think I think somebody's parents are still kind of, uh, my, my son plays uh, um, sometimes. And one of his friend's parents was concerned, and I was telling another parent, it's really just a social game disguised as a math game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's really what it is. It's 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 the social dynamics. We're able to come. There's already expectations set. You don't have to think about starting conversation. You don't have to – you already know what you're supposed to do. Roles are already lined out. Story's done. Click, click, click. You, know, you still have fun with your friends. You have a few laughs. And you go home feeling pretty good. 
Yeah. Yeah. The social aspect, I think, is especially for kids, definitely it puts rules on circumstances that kids would have no idea how to navigate otherwise, you know, and it enables them to sort of role play, which is what it is. These situations that in the safe and, and where they get to frame themselves how they want to frame themselves, you know, which <laughs> exactly. is which is priceless if you're a kid. Well, it's funny just how terrible kids can be sometimes, <laughs> unapologetically terrible. And, you know, that's fine because I realized, you know, that's probably in a life where you're, you know, when we were younger, uh, I mean, it was, you know, it was cops and robbers, you know, cowboys, Indians, aliens and spacemen, whatever it may be, you know, we, 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 we would play these different roles and. And there was really no sort of morality to it, even though maybe one person's playing one side, one playing played another. So I think, I think we all tend to. I think even for kids, I started thinking, you know, you know, doing things that maybe aren't right socially, they don't necessarily make them. That's like something that corrupts them, but something that's they're just kind of able to get that out of their system of you know through play. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a that's a big part of the appeal, I think. <laughs> it is so, right. It is. It is. So so once you realize, once the the you know the light shines down, like in the Blues Brothers, where you know, yeah, Dick yeah. sees the light. I see the light. I see the light. So what, what'd you do? What'd you do at that point? Did you like start calling friends? Did you? I mean, what well, was a, the- a few things happened. So um, I started just consuming it on my own, like. Now that I felt like the door was open and I, I could be in charge of learning it for myself, I started to learn it. So I bought books and I listened to podcasts and I would watch videos. I, the guys at um, WebDM were like super, I've got my WebDM shirt on now. Oh, yeah. Got on their Patreon. And, um, and that was just really useful. And, and, and I filled my mind with it, you know, and, and um, something that happens i think that's part of the process for a lot of people but i know certainly for me as a songwriter is like whatever i'm consumed with i'm going to write about you know whatever's happening it's going to yeah it's going to come out in the songs because that's how i process stuff um and so my son who's a musician too he's, he's young he wanted to learn how to, we were talking about songwriting and i was trying to really encourage him i was saying you know what you need to do is you need to and this was at a time when like my last band had broken up. I was pretty much done to, uh, you know, we'd had like a, a tour in a van. It was just, it was just a terrible, it was just too old for that kind of stuff. Right, you know, right. it was really demoralizing. And so I was actually at a place where I was like, well, I guess that's it. Like I had a good run being a musician and I, I really had fun and that's probably the end of it. But my, uh, so I was having this conversation with my son. I said, what you need to do is you need to write all your bad songs without judging them. Just write a bad song yeah. and, and then write another bad song and then write another bad song. Know that they're going to be bad and just go, go, go. I said, look, we'll do it together. We'll write, <laughs> we'll write a song a week, you know? And so I wrote this song down at the tavern, which is on my la- my first album, Random Encounters, because my head was so full of D&D. And then I wrote another one. I wrote Tower, the song Tower of the Elephant because I was consumed with like this Conan the Barbarian story. And then I just kept going and going because they were just coming. They yeah. were just coming out, you know, and and I was able to tap into that feeling that I got when I have actually a Dungeon Crawl Classics book here. Like, you know, you look at this is uh, they serve Brandolin Red. Um so when you look at the cover of these books, for me, it feels like I'm looking at like a prog rock album or something. Oops. Right. 
it feels like you know a Hawkwind album cover. If you like that world that you're, you know, Blue Oyster Cult or whatever, you want to go to that place. And so the songs started to take on that characteristic because also I love psych rock. I love that you know world building and that kind of stuff. So it all started to sort of meld. Um, I would pick up a module, I'd start reading it, and and then I. And and after a while, and and I did start running games for friends too, so I did start DMing, and I started the homebrew, um, and then I would I started running some written adventures, but all of it was sort of like the place where it would go, you know. And I started to understand how for some people cosplay is that, but for other people art. If you're an artist, it is that, or whatever it might be, you know, the place where you want to. It's not enough to just consume it. You want to be a part of it somehow. Right. On the creative end of it, you know, you want to put your own twist twist on it, whether it be homebrewing or whether it be creating maps, you know, just delving. I want to make, you know, the ultimate dungeon or the ultimate keep or the ultimate. It's really inviting to that, you know. So for me, it was music for me. And I, yeah, I, I'm not going to... I know that there are other people that are inspired inspired by D&D. I mean, I didn't know it then, but since then I've I've heard and you know of other bands that are like that and I'm even friendly with some of them who sort of feel the same way. This band called Bog Wizard or Iron Throne or there's a band in here in Ventura, California called Gygax. Um <laughs> so you know, I'm not Yeah. And they, they later proudly. Yeah. Yeah, later I found out, oh yeah, I'm not the only person who feels this, you know, that there's right. a connection. Uh, although some people, I sent uh, my EP for a review to a blog and the person's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, don't you realize this is a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess so. But, you know, the these are the songs that come, you know, and and it's fun. At the end of the day, it's fun. It feels good. And I I, it sparks my imagination. You know, I get this thought like, so eventually like I, I came across the barrier uh, expedition to uh, the barrier peaks and it blew my mind because it was like, right. Early eighties sci-fi. It wasn't just sci-fi. It was like, it was like space 1999. You know, it was like early Battlestar Galactica. It was, you know, it was like oh, yeah. star crash like all these B movies that I loved as a kid, Crawl or stuff like that, you know, it really had that cheese that that, you know, the the computers in there look like Tandy computers. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's not. It, and it's it just made my brain sort of explode. Like what, what? And and so I found that I was writing songs about that. Like I had one then I had two. Then I, it's like, you know, I, these songs just they're not stopping. And that's where the idea of a concept album came out because I love one of my favorite albums is the lamb lies down on Broadway Genesis, you know, and, and that idea of being able to write a bunch of songs that are united in theme. And you look at that like a DM would you plan the encounters and you know, Oh, if we're doing this adventure, we're going to see the mind flare. Right. We're going to see the veggie pygmies. We're going to see the frog. We're going to see the frog. (laughs) You know, so it really was like that. It was, and it was really, they just, and and what would that sell with well, a frog hemoth? He needs a riff, you know, that, that's, that's a riff. You know what I mean? Like they, and, and the veggie pygmies to me were like comic relief almost in that you could, you know, if you're a DM, yeah. you would think of it that way. Like these guys could be the comic relief because there's so many of them, 
you know, and, and they're, and they're so weird and they really throw the party for a loop. Um, whereas the encounter with like the doctor, you know, the, the droid, that's gruesome. That's some gruesome. So there's horror in there, you know, um, it really just started to come like it would for any DM who's prepping their campaign and the excitement that you, Oh, wait till I let them have this one. Oh, wait till I spring this one on them. You know, it's the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. So that's how they started. That's how the song started coming. And then this idea of just making it a concept album that you listen to it from beginning to end and you're hitting the major encounters and hopefully thematically like the song, the first song is more epic like like an adventure beginning would be right and then i have this interlude where the world changes and now we're sort of in sci-fi world you know starting to there's no more it isn't like about the knight and his horse and the trumpets now we've we're seeing like computer what the hell's happened here you know all that kind of stuff which just made my brain just you know just come up with ideas and and yeah that's and the other thing about it is I make videos for these songs too. You know, on my YouTube channel, I've got videos for every song. They're not ever going to win an Oscar, but they're really a part of it for me because it's very visual. You know, I have, I, I just get, it all sort of comes. It's, you know, it's a, like Luta Body is a place where I can put all that stuff. I didn't realize that you did videos as well. Yeah. And, you know, they, they range. Some of them are better. Like if you... Get a chance to check them out. Like the Veggie Pygmies one I did, like I took Errol Otis's art and I put them in backgrounds that were from space 1999. And I had this idea of the Veggie Pygmies being like the Beatles. So they've got like little <laughs> Fab Four, little Fab Four, like, you know, guitars and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all like, oh, I don't know. It's, it's a place where all that stuff goes, you know. I was the kid in school. I would always draw. I would always, and and I'm still like that as an adult. And it's a way that I preserve that. Loot the bodies that played. I just put that stuff in there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Robot Police, I think, is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one, I, I had a little, you know, it's got the F word in it. And I, <laughs> and I actually wrote, I, I wrote it like that. I recorded it like that. Then I un. I re-recorded it and took that word out. And I was talking to my daughter. She's, you know, she was nine at the time. And I said, you know, I did this song and I put an F word, but I took it out. She said, why? And I said, well, because I feel like people might not like that, you know, that I have that in there. And she said, but that's what they would say, dad. That's what the robot police would say. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. You know, and it felt like, yeah, okay, I'll leave it in. I, I still feel a bit of, ugh. Like, was it necessary or not? I feel like that's that is what they would say. I you know? think it. I think it works. I'm not. I'm not usually. I'm not one inclined to to throw f bombs around. But uh, no, I don't either. Which is why, like, I don't know another musician who would even feel weird about it. You know, but I do for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> it just makes that song. It's just. I think what it did. It actually gave me an extra layer of respect to those police because they are they are pretty nasty. Uh, and uh, and I think the other thing is, and I know it's probably not intentional, but I mean, you know, you know, with things that have gone on lately, social wise, I mean, yeah. there's a kind of a parallel too, you know, where some people have, have experienced the not so nice side of of of, uh, of the police. Not saying that um, they're all yeah. bad or whatever, but I mean, there is that kind of tone to that too, in a way where it's like, for sure, I was thinking about what role do they play in the adventure. You know, what role do they play? They're, first of all, they're robots, so they don't give. 
They don't, you know, no, they're no. robots. You know, yeah. what you're what you expect you're gonna get from these guys. The other thing is <laughs> they're malfunctioning, right? Yeah. So even if they were programmed for something, it's not happening now. Um, so yeah, that but that authoritarian, it, it was really just that sense of if you're a DM and you're planning encounters, how do you distinguish? The party of Vegapygmies, the party, you know, these robots that are there yeah. from whoever else you're going to encounter there, the the gym robot wearing a <laughs> leotard or whatever. <laughs> they all need their own thing. You know, they all need their own thing. Well, I think the other thing is what you you're also dealing with during that time is the art really wasn't unified. So you have Jeff D, who right. does wonderful comic booky, even superhero-y looking people. And yeah, yeah. Earl Otis just doing the Earl full Earl Otis, you know, unabashedly. Yeah. And you look at those two together and it's like, it kind of works in this whole thing. Cause yeah. it is a, a, it's a mess, but it's yeah. a, it's a fun mess. Have you ever ran this adventure? I've never run it. Okay. I've never I, run it. I, I don't know that it, I ever could. Don't, because, don't. You don't. know, be, I mean, <laughs> well, first of all, everybody that knows me, I've spoiled it for them, you know? So I don't know that I could spring it on my players when I do start running games again after, you know, for lockdown, I don't know that I could spring it on them, but um, it it's so massive. It's so massive yeah. and it, it doesn't flow right, but there's, you're right. Those there's are, a lot of empty rooms. There's, I mean, I, yeah. would, I would, I would be merciless in hacking it up. I would, if I was to run it, I would be merciless in doing that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play it as written. I would really use it as, um, okay, they're getting tired of this. Let's bring this next thing on. Okay, they're getting bored. Let's get this next thing on. And I would just keep it going like that. And the other thing that I would do, which I think is key, um, I, I think for players in a campaign, those hooks are key. If you are a druid and, and you worship a certain deity or or a certain type of thing is, is your deal, it it's good if that's part of the adventure somehow. You know, and that goes for every character. Right. If you're invested in your character and the story pushes those buttons for your character, it's going to pull you in. And the and then the best thing that happens is isn't when the DM is sort of shoveling out the adventure, but it's when the players are pulling it. The players are right. pulling the adventure towards themselves. So I think if I was to run that adventure, I would probably do something like um, I don't. Well, so the way that I have the the computer there is like a malfunctioning um it's malfunctioning right and the computer the way i has guilt over what happened you know the computer is sentient and is like how in a way but it blew it whatever happened whatever went wrong is the computer's fault and but the computer's still alive but it doesn't have the ability to control anything it's just there like so i thought what if the computer has a way to reach out to the players and introduce things that are closer to their to what is relevant to the player, you know? Okay. So if, if you're, if you're, I don't know, if, if you have issues with your prince and you have issues with your father or whatever, and the computer has a way to present those things to you somehow, almost like a hollow deck type of thing in Star Trek or something like that. I think that would make, that's the thing that's sort of missing for me. Cause I like it when, when the players have some invested something invested of themselves in the world because right. it's really not intended it's just it's just a, a, a just a dungeon with really no purpose well it's a fun house yeah it's a it's like a fun house which is great which it, it is great but I like you know I've noticed 
that for me, whenever I've run games, my players really like, oh, you're the princess of such and such a place. Well, here comes that prince that remembers you from back in the day. And he knows that you stole something from your mom. He's the only one who knows this, you know, and he might just tell somebody or he might not. Those types of things I like, you know. Right. It's personal. Not yeah. just I'm just there. I may stay or I may not stay. I may go or I may not go. I right. May, there's no there's no mission where like if you, you know. I think the idea is the computer could be potentially the one that provides incentive to different characters for different reasons to be there. That's, I think you've said it much more eloquently or more succinctly than I said, but yeah, I think that would be a good twist to sort of bring people into it a little bit. So when I ran it, we didn't, we didn't go that direction, but we ended up having two GMs and we ran it concurrently. Hmm. And uh, only a few made it out. They got evicted from that cargo hold. Yeah. <laughs> but we played for like, we pushed along. I think we played in, in about six hours. And uh, so it was. It oh, was wow. Like, you did like a marathon session. Yeah, we just we just blitzed through it. And uh, I think some stuff I probably kind of ignored. But the thing is, is, you know, it is so, it is so large. There's so much you can miss. Yeah. Which is kind of sad, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and also the I'm not a huge fan of the, you know, the laser gun that's really pointing at you and you think it's pointing at somebody else, you know. I think it all depends oh, how you run it. Are you talking so are you familiar with what inspired this adventure? Yeah, so it it was it, I think it was like um it was a tournament, right? And and I think Gary was like had a bunch of real high level players, right? He had people yeah. who would sort of figure out all his tricks and he wanted to really throw them for a curve. Isn't that sort of some of the background? Well, it is, but what what it really, what the big impetus was uh, Jim Ward, James Ward wrote um, uh, Metamorphosis Alpha. And then, and then it's about a, a ship that was a generation ship that everybody mutated. Yeah. Got messed up. And then he came up with Gamma World and then that's when Gary said, "Hey, I'm just going to take that, yeah. mash it into here, and 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 do a tournament." So yeah, it was designed, I think, for that, but it was also largely inspired by, "Hey, well, if Jim can do that, I can do this." Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I I think it's genius that your fantasy characters walk into a spaceship and they don't know where the hell they are. They don't. Yeah, you know that. I like that. Well, I think the the thing is. I think this is what kind of has been lost, but I think it's been kind of regained through some of the newer uh, clones is that it used to be that fantasy and science fiction were not separated, so to speak. Like, yeah. You know, even Conan, you know, was maybe his own thing, but you know, you get like Hawkmoon yeah. and, you know, and different others where it's like, you could have science mixed in with your fantasy Edgar Rice Burroughs, right? Yeah, I mean, Edgar it Rice goes Burroughs. back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think then what happened is I think D and D kind of more codified a fantasy branch, and everybody kind of glommed onto that. Yeah. Where I think beforehand, I think even with uh, with Dave Arneson was, was with Blackmore or something. I think it it was a science fantasy. I think so. I think they kind of brought back to, but nobody. I don't know that. Other than maybe a, a kind of a little bit here and there, nobody's really gone back to doing anything like Expedition to Barrier Peaks. I think people love their Tolkien. You know, I think a big yeah. part of it is Tolkien really looms large over a lot of this, and they want to be their Aragorn, or they want to be like, you know, and which is fine. 
which is fine, you know. Um, but I I think you're right that early, even you know Star Star Wars is that you know wizard with oh, a yeah. laser sword. It's you know why why have why not have it all? You know, <laughs> peanut butter and chocolate. Exactly. <laughs> why are you making me choose? I have both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if that floats your boat, there's a lot of ways. I, I mean, I'm always reading about these indie games or different settings, and, and man, I'm, I want to play that. Oh, I want to play that. I mean, and that's the thing I love about the the group that I'm in now is it's almost like uh, we're testing out different systems. You know, every two months, every three months, we swap it out. And it's not just a different campaign, different characters. It's a different system. Yeah. So that's been a lot of fun for me because I get, I get all that. So have you seen, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a setting. It does have some sort of loose rules, but it's intended to be generic. Have you seen, uh, ultraviolet grasslands? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have seen that. I haven't played it, but it looks, I mean that and like Morkborg. Yeah. there's a few that are just like, they're so evocative. I did play Forgotten Forbidden Lands. Oh yeah, so yeah, I, that I, was, I played. I didn't like it. My friend showed it to me. I, I the the layout just just put me off, and they kind of pushed at me, and I, I just kind of and I ended up downloading the uh, looking through it. And it's like I was looking for a good a, a game that would run a good sword and sorcery. Mm-hmm. Then I actually started reading it. I hated the format. And it's like, oh, this is exactly what I want. See, I didn't run it. I just played it. So I didn't, I don't know anything about the layout or the format. I loved it. I loved that game. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not something you, it's, it, it, I think it allows you to be heroic, but it's also, you got to be careful. Yeah. I mean, you know, you never know what is, what's the choice of the GM, you know, how they're trying to sort of dial down the danger or not, but definitely it was pretty deadly for us. Well, the thing is, is you, you got that ability to reroll. Right. Once you re-roll, you're creating, you're potentially creating problems for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not on him. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Hey, but it's but and your armor degrades too. Yeah, I. The thing that I remember, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how much of it was the canned adventure or not, but we played this whole thing about a, a wizard who had combined with his daughter to make a spider. Um spider god type of it was just really it was out there and there were like i mean the the world i guess is the part that really that i really dug more than anything uh the rule set i don't know i don't i don't know that i'm well versed enough in different rule sets to be able to compare it you know what's what's nice about it is you have a fast action you have a slow action yeah and you can choose like if you get your turn soon enough you can burn both of them but if you do, you don't have um, a, a, a fast action if you need to uh, parry. Right. So you got to weigh out what you're doing. You know, it's not just like, oh, I just attack. It's like you got to really think about it. And then you also have other options, too, that you can do besides just hacking on somebody. You can you can, um, um, you can, can also do the um, fainting where you can mm-hmm. switch initiatives. You can push somebody down. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of neat – you know, it, not overly complicated, but more options you, you normally get with a D&D game. Yeah. It was, I don't remember the mechanics being very difficult. I had a lot of fun with it. No, all you're doing is counting sixes. Right. And if you roll a second time, you're counting your ones too. <laughs> so you're going to either degrade your stats, you're going to degrade your equipment. <laughs> you're left crying if you're, if you're pushing too far. 
I love I love push the luck mechanics for for characters where they can have the option to do something, but at a cost. Right, like burning luck and DCC too. Yeah, so yeah. it's 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 uh, that's really cool. So so that being said, I'm sure there's I'm sure you with some of these you probably can overcome copyright. So when you're coming out with a when you come on the ultraviolet grassland soundtrack, right. a Morkborg right. soundtrack. And I guess the Forbidden Land soundtrack. Yeah, the, exactly. Uh... <laughs> exactly. So um, I don't know. So the, you, you know, I have an EP coming out that's got the class that's got like six, it's one song per adventure, six classic yep. adventures. And it was really the thing that I want to be careful of. Like, I don't want to run feel like i'm running down a list you know like okay well i haven't written for that one let's see what do i got you know it would lose i i really need want to make sure i'm always honing in on the stuff that i like and what you're inspired by exactly because at the end of the day you know i'm not really making millions off this stuff so i (laughs) if i'm not digging it you know how am i gonna talk to somebody else about it um so this so this new EP was a good way for me to do that because I definitely am inspired still looking at the modules, the ones that I run, the ones that I don't run. And that old school sensibility um, merged with that. I'm still sort of enjoying that. But I do have plans for for something coming up that isn't tied to like a specific adventure more i think it would be like a homebrew basically you know it's more yeah like i think probably my next move after this one's going to be something homebrewed at, at which point the few people that have gotten into my music are going to be like no thanks you know and then i'll have hex volume two you know there probably you come back out with it you know like but i but i am um this idea of mixing like an a world um, with music, with an RPG sense of it. I did for for the Barry Peak songbook. You know, I, I published a little zine that had all the lyrics and the chords in it, and the idea of making a zine. I thought maybe I'll make one that has just a little setting. Yeah. You know? So I think that's going to be something I do coming up. Is I'll I'll probably be, and also you know, zine quests and all that stuff that's going. It's just so inspiring. Um, all the people that. I don't know, the, all the creators that just do their stuff, you know, that check this out, one page dungeon. What do you think? You know, um, that more than the D&D world, that's the world that I, if if I could be so like, I don't know, if I could call anybody my peers, I would be honored to call those people my peers. You know, the people who publish their little zines, who make their little RPGs, who make their, that is like, they're my idols almost, you know, because there's such good work going on and nobody's making any money off. No, you know, it's so it reminds me of being part of a scene of musicians, you know, the local town. And, you know, the like I grew up with people in other bands and you got a gig and they got a gig and they got a gig and they'd call you or somebody needs an amp, borrow my amp. Such and such wrote a new song. It's so cool. We need to write a song like that. You know, being in a in a scene with other bands is how I grew up and how I got better. And I really miss that. But I do feel like I'm part of a scene now, even though I'm making music. Um, I do feel like my peers are the people who are making their games and who and are making their settings or the artists who are 
check out my the character sheet, you know, I, or or the dungeon or whatever. That it's amazing just to see that. And every time I I, I come across somebody, I follow them. You know, I I gotta follow them on Instagram. I gotta follow. Them. I want to see what they're doing. Um, it's re, it's like a little. I mean, I'm new to the hobby, so I don't know. But it's that aesthetic of of the indie band. I see it in the indie TTRPG, and it's super cool. You know. Well, what's interesting about the indie, because I think the indie initially was going, I don't want to say past, but or beyond, but I think it was trying to get escape, we'll say D&D. Mm-hmm. But now it's actually also turned around and done some very interesting things with, with that whole D&D and just has, I think in some ways, taken it back to its essence and then, yeah. and then some. Yeah, I, I don't know what any of the terms mean anymore, you know, but that idea of the OSR is like, oh, D&D, abandoned D&D, we'll take D&D, you know, <laughs> like D&D's moved so far beyond the original, we'll take it, you know, yeah. um, we'll occupy that space, no problem. And and that's cool because those, that's the sensibility that I dig. It's that really early artwork that, the, you know, yeah. that. Well, I think the thing also, the idea with D&D is it became more and more like, we'll say advanced D forward is more about was more about codification mm-hmm. when you go back to like the, the mechanics of the earlier systems much simpler much easier to house rule much easier to tinker with and allowed a lot more freedom i think create in a creative space where if you try to make stuff it's a lot and also i think the vibe is much more free forgiving where i think later editions in later ways of thinking, it's always worried about everything being balanced. Where yeah. a lot of the OSR is like, it's a dragon. I'm sorry, don't mess with it. Yeah, you don't want, you don't want to die. Don't mess with it. That's a troll. Yeah, I'm not I telling think, you you have to go fight it, but it's there. I think <laughs> vibe is the word. Definitely, that's that's what I get off it. You know, is that is that vibe? And yeah, so I'm I'm digging what people are. There's there's this guy, um, Lex Mandrake. He's got this. He made a game called The Shifting City. And he's making a new role play game called Azag. And I, he asked me to make some songs for him. Oh my goodness. And so it's coming out this Friday for Bandcamp Friday. It's a sword, it's a fighting fantasy. Um, it's his own setting, you know, but I, I recorded like five long instrumental songs for him that, you know, you can listen to while you're playing in this world. And that when he reached out to me, I thought, yes, okay, cool. Like it, it isn't just me that is, it's like, I would love for these people to be my peers. And one of them reached out and wanted to collaborate. Okay. I think I'm in a place where I belong a little bit, you know, I don't want to be presumptuous because I'm new to the scene. Not that anybody's um, exclusionary. No, I don't, I've never felt like anybody told me to back off or anything like that, but I feel like the sense of sensibilities of, a lot of the indie creators really overlap. And so when he reached out to me, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. So I, I gave him five songs and, and you can buy it on Bandcamp or HIO and it's his own little thing. It's very cool. Yeah. Well, I think the idea is, I mean, art, I think the thing is, I mean, obviously art in, in role-playing games is and the inspiration goes back and forth. Yeah. And I, I think there's no history of, of music also necessarily directly. I think 
there's no there's a history of I think with prog rock and fantasy. Yeah, with Michael like, Moorcock and stuff like that. Well, even like like um, Baltor and the Snow Dog with Rush and right. and Fairy King and all these crazy things by yeah. by early um, Queen and I mean you can go through the Misty Mountain Hop and whatever and the, the Tolkien stuff that there's all sorts of stuff that people were doing fantasy wise. I don't think it ever really has really ever gelled and combined with games. But, you know, as you're talking about, I mean, art inspires art, right? Yeah. And that art inspires art and starts stuff starts to, you know, to circle around on itself and, and project out. So, you know, at this moment, I, you know, that is a, a concept, you know, and, and that I don't think, I think is still pretty new as far as marrying those two, but I don't think, I don't think, um, but but we do have precedent with with the actual genres, right? Yeah, I and and there's definitely a split between instrumental and songs, right? There's a lot. There seems to be a lot more people in the instrumental space making background music, or they'll even make custom music for your game for right. you to play. And, and that's really cool to have music. If you you know, it it adds a whole other dimension. My thing, I don't. I think if you were to play my songs while you're playing, it would distract. It's my thing is much more. Maybe you're want to run the adventure and you listen to the song and it gets you in the mood to run it. Maybe right. it sparks that or you've never heard about it and you listen to it and you're like, oh, that maybe I want to run that or I don't know. Well, um, it's it's kind of in some ways almost like the 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 lost album experience, right? Where you would you would you would get the the Sticks album or the yeah. the Rush album and you would play it. You would open it up and you would stare at this thing. Yeah. And so, but I think the thing is, though, I mean, but you could now have a song, a series of songs and an adventure. And as a GM or just as a person, you could just listen to it and just evoke feelings. And I think those are the types of feelings then you can then understand is if you're wanting to run something, that's a kind of emotion I want to convey. Yeah, it's like the theme song to the adventure almost, yeah, you know, yeah. if you like, you know, Greatest American Hero, you're going to listen to that, <laughs> believe it or not, song, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, if you like Knight Rider, that opening theme, you know, um, it's a little bit of that. I don't know. It, I try not. It comes from such a, a place of inspiration and a vibe and of that I try if I think about it, if I really think about it then I really see how ridiculous it is. So I try and I try it's to all ridiculous. Of, it Everything's is all- ridiculous. What are we doing here? Exactly. <laughs> so I, I try to not stare too much into it. Um, you know, because it, it, the truth is it's, it's a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun for me. It, it's introduced me to some really cool people and it's rekindled my, my songwriting and my musicianship and all that. And, and that's, you know, like I said, I thought I was sort of done making music. And I actually, I did, you know, after my last band broke up, I did work on like an album. I recorded it. I wrote a whole album. I recorded an album and I was starting to mix it. And then I just hit a wall because I, I just thought like, who cares? You know, like really, like I'm going to be done. With, what am I going to do? I don't want a gig. I don't want to promote this. I don't want it, you know, yes. and, and I just sort of shelved it, you know, and when these D&D songs started coming, I thought, who cares? And I thought, one dude might. 
one chick, one dude out yeah. there might care. One. I bet you one person is going to care. And and really, that's why I did it. You know, and and when every little YouTube comment I get, every person who discovers every is everything to me, because seriously, I have a whole album that I'm probably never going to release because it's I'm really proud of those songs they are good songs. But I do have that sense of, eh, you know, they those songs sort of did what they were going to do for me, which is like the exorcism of creation. I had a lot of pleasure writing them and creating them and tracking them. They gave to me. Now it, it got to the point where I had to sort of roll them uphill to bring them to the right. world. It's like, forget it, forget it. But for these songs, when I get to that moment of anything that you're doing, you know, you finish the fun part and the last part of it is work. That's any, any task that you do. When I get to that part, I think I'm excited for people to hear this, you know, and that helps me, even if it's, like I said, one dude, one dude, hey, I ran this adventure back in 84. You wrote a song about it right on. That's it. That's all it takes, you know, um, which is not sort of the mindset to make a living at something, <laughs> but it's but it's definitely nourishing me, you know, right. on, a, on the artistic side, you know. Yeah, I think I don't I don't know if I think probably to some degree everybody's creative, but I I definitely think there's a number of us that just it may not be anything meaningful or big, but but there is just that that need to do that. Yeah. And there's times where I, a lot more when I was doing the photography, well, it's, it's kind of pushed what I'm doing now, but even the photography, I would, I would, I'd, it, I would call it the muse that would drive me to things that just didn't make sense. Yeah. And if I didn't do it, it would make me crazy. Yeah. And I would do it. I'm like, okay, I'm done. It's over. I got that on my system. Yeah, <laughs> I went and shot that. I went and drove an hour and a half to shoot that one thing that was on my mind that I couldn't stop thinking about. And it turned out terrible, but that's okay. At least I can not have to think about it anymore. Yeah, and, uh, I definitely but, have that. I definitely, I definitely have that. And and you know, you you can't stifle that part of yourself. You know. Yeah, and I think so. So I did. I did the Zine Quest uh, this year. And I've spent, I think, this winter doing a fair amount of other work and writing. I've been learning to do layout. I've been actually kind of forced to do writing, which I'm not really great at. Uh, but I also realize that normally I think the winters I would have tough times emotionally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but I found that uh, actually this this winter wasn't that bad. And I think it's because I was producing stuff and yeah. writing and and you got to let your you got to you got to let yourself um be bad at something you know like this oh, is the, i agree this is the first band i've ever sung leads in i've always been like the utility guy you know I'd be playing keyboards guitars singing backups i've sung ba- i played bass i was never the front man of any band and that's why it isn't levi presents Luther body you know that's why yeah. i'm not that's not my personality but i got to the point where i thought i'm writing these songs if i don't sing them they're not going to happen you know that it's if i don't do everything nothing's going to get done, you know? So I, I view that as, look, I do the artwork. I know that when I see somebody else, an artist do artwork, I'm like, oh, look at that. That's great. But if I didn't do it, it wouldn't get done, you know? But, but why would anybody ever write a book? Because somebody said, you know, comparing, like looking at C.S. Lewis or some of these other people and are like, well, why am I writing books when these people, and it's like, well, right. Cause that's what I need to do. I mean, yeah. 
it's not about that because you're right. You will you'll never top. You know, you can list you know a hundred different people. You'll never hope to ever top whatever it may be. But we're still doing it. Yeah. And I think uh, and Chesterton said, uh, G.K. Chesterton said, anything. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna mess it up because I'm on the on the hook. Uh, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. Yeah. Well, and, I, and and that's just it. You have to be able to say, you have to be able to do something because you love it. And if it if it's not a lovely thing, it's okay. It's true. It's something you do out of love. And I think the thing is, is like, on one hand, um, and I think what his idea was the amateur mm-hmm. refers to uh, the more meaning love and somebody who does something out of love. Right. We tend to think of it as something being unprofessional, but that's not necessarily what that word means. Right. It's a labor of love. Yeah. And so I think there is a lot of value in that. And I, and in anything like you mentioned about, you know, I would tell people like in a job, I'd be training. It's like, you're going to make every mistake there is. You're going to do it at least once, you know, just do it early and get them all out of the way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I think people fear, fear failure, but failure isn't the opponent. Not doing something is <laughs> your complacency is your opponent. Fear is yeah. your opponent. You know what I mean? But to do something and fail, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a fun thing, but well, there's a there's a I mean, for me, that sense of connection is also is the big drive. I'm gonna do this thing, you know, like I can I can sit down and I can rip apart my songs better than anybody can. I can rip apart the, my videos better than anybody can. But at the end of the day, I did it. I finished it. And some of it connects with people. That is, do you know what I mean? That's amazing to me. It is amazing to me that even that even one or two or three people, it means everything. Um, and, right. and, and those, anybody listening who wants me to stop <laughs> too late, you know, because because it's, it's amazing that, you know, it's even just a nice little comment. And I, and I, I, I try to, I try to reach out to people and do the same thing because I feel like a lot of people might be in the same place. Like, I'm just, I don't know why I'm creating this. I have a compulsion to create. I need to draw this thing. I need to make this thing. And when somebody posts it, give them a nice comment, give them a thumbs up. You try to say something about it. If it, you know how it touched you or how it moves. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's, it, it's super important. You know um, it is, it is for me. And it, as much as we're down on social media and as terrible as social media is and all that, that ability to connect with somebody, to share your work and to, and to hear back and, and to form community around work is incredible. That's something that. Yeah. I think it transcends at that point from just being at work to something more like, like, you know, doing portraits, you know, I would go to somebody's house years later even the kids are gone, I'd see those same pictures on the wall. Yeah. And it's like, those to me were just a, a picture I took. Yeah. That was a but job. for that person, it's right. not just a picture that I took. It, yeah. it transcended into something else that, that they, that they put meaning into yeah. and poured meaning into, you know, and that's to me, you know, I understand what you're saying. It's like, that's, that's pretty heady stuff. It's not like I come across as had not necessarily even though the the photography might have been good or whatever maybe but that really had nothing to do with it it was whatever that image is 
to that person elevated. Absolutely. And it's, and it's kind of like, it's kind of humbling in a lot of ways because it's not something that you purposely do or can manufacture. Yeah. And that's, that's the best thing about creating something that somebody else has a missing piece that you, you're not even aware of. You know, you, you did your part, you completed your task, you're done. And then they, it's almost all, the only thing that you did is you made an empty container that they filled. Yeah. You know, and then when you see that, you're like, oh, that, I had no idea, you know, and that happens, that happens with music, that happens with any creation that, you know, where there's sort of that interactive, that participation definitely happens in gaming. I think that's the fix that the DM is after. That's the, that's the juice. That's the drug. You know, I made this world. I made these things. I want you to come in. And then when your players do, they show you something that you did not know. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Or, or how, cause, cause I, so when I moved to this area, I, I was, I moved back to, well, I didn't move far. We moved back. I didn't have anybody to play games with. So I was like, okay. So my kids had some friends, <laughs> some teenagers, and so we ran games and, and it's been years and we, some of them still play, most of them don't, but it's like, they'll still occasionally will bring up stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, and I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to ask him questions about it. Cause like one time a guy apparently had, had gotten his arm chopped off and I must've stated it wrong and he got confused, but he thought, no, it was his arm that was left. Oh, you know, so we <laughs> ran the adventure where it was just his arm would like was floating around, <laughs> but as kids, I mean, they love that and they remember that. And it's just like, it's, it's funny. Great. How, yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, it's stupid stuff like that, that, you know, people remember you're right. And at that point, again, that transcends because me as a GM, I can't figure that stuff out, but you get the right players. Uh, in the right situation, that there is there is something magical that happens. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, people yeah. come away with that, with memories and thoughts, you know, it's that you the, can never get from watching a movie. Yeah, it's that collaborative aspect of it. You just reminded me when when the starter set, the five the five E starter set came out. I bought it for my daughter and I ran it for her and her friends. Not a few years ago, whenever it was that it came out, it was brand new because I was that's part of my learning, you know, and. And in Fandelver, I had like one of the kids reminded me later that they killed a goblin and they were rifling the goblin for stuff. And they found the wallet with a letter from the goblin's daughter saying, Daddy, please be safe. Come home to us. <laughs> this is the goblin that he'd killed. <laughs> oh, you're a terrible person. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I think the point is, is, is the as fathers, we try and say, you know what, you're being a bunch of murder hobos. Exactly. That's what I was trying to, they were exactly. So I was like trying to get them to think before they just killed everything. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. And yeah, that's pretty harsh. But they, <laughs> when I ran Mouse Guard, I was definitely a lot kinder when I ran that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that the, the the so the funny thing is like running with for kids. When I say kids, they were teens, late teens. You know, I I just I just changed my expectations. I just said, you know what, we're just going to go with whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, I just want to get them hooked. 
that's really like I want them to understand the agency. Like you can do anything, anything, anything. Go do it. Yeah. You know, it's up to you. And and if they say let's play again, that's that's it. You know, that's yeah. I think beforehand, my I viewed my role as a GM as I maintained a reality, and I was there to make sure that that all fit together and all work together. Mm-hmm. But Miska just wanted to do crazy things, so it's like yeah. okay, you want to do crazy things, do the crazy things. We'll just roll to see what happens. Exactly. Maybe that crazy thing really works well, or maybe it doesn't, but we'll find out. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, the, you run the gamut in gaming too. So like I, in my limited experience, it's all different. And, and there's no such thing as one way to do it. You know, you no. find, a ta- find a table that works for you, but I like seeing how other tables, and that seems to be like a lot of the wasted energy that I see with dialogue back. People like to run their tables differently done. That's it. End the story. Let them run their table. You run your table. Um, but I love seeing that difference, how different people run their table. And there's sometimes I'm no, I, I would not have fun in that game, you know, but sometimes you learn something and you're like, oh, yeah, I would. I'd like that. You know? Yeah. I, I uh, James Ward, the uh, the Gamma World guy, I actually got. Do you get to go to conventions? Are there any no, near you? I, I did go. The, yeah. Orc Con here in L.A. I went to once, but no, not not too much. Uh, so there's a game hole con that they bring all, I don't say all, but a lot of the old school people that D and D and whatever, they all come and they're there and you can run, you can actually play in games that they run. So James Ward who, who ran Gamma world. So did you ever read Gamma world? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we played Gamma world back in the day, we played it serious. Okay. They may, have been, they may have been bunnies, but those bunnies will shoot with laser rifles and yeah, die. Yeah. There was no he, 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 ha, ha, ha. And then I was listening to a podcast with 4th Edition or 5th Edition Gamma World. I can't remember which where they were. They did like a 4E D&D. Uh-huh. They were talking about, oh, no, it's all hokey. It's all tongue-in-cheek. That's all uh, James Ward was about and da-da-da-da-da. And that's the way they, they, they designed the game. I thought, okay. I guess I, was, I guess I didn't understand that reading it. And then I got to play in a game with James Ward was running. I'm like, no, they were wrong. This was serious. This is not. Uh... <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> you stand on the map. Gun comes out, hits you. Oh, you're dead. Okay. It's, it's like, like, there's no, there was no he, he, ha, ha, ha. It's just like everything was deadly. So, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that was that was fun. But anyway, my point is, I, it was one of the greatest experiences that I actually got to to play at James Ward's table. I bet. also realized, I mean, thankful I did, but also realized I would never want to actually play in any of his games. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's you gotta you gotta find your match. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's got to be fun for for the investment of time. Yeah, it is. But you're right. Different people. And I think also playing as a player has helped me because I jammed for such a long time. When I started to get to play again, I started to learn new things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, so I guess the question I have for you, uh, prog rock, psych rock, what is the definition? Like what, what makes prog rock, prog rock or psych rock? Be psych with rock? You, I don't think I'm prog rock. People told me that, but to me, prog rock has like these long instrumental sections of virtuosic playing. Okay. Like, I, don't, I don't think I'm a prog rock. I mean, to me, when Rush goes into those long jams and, you know, weird time signatures and stuff like that, that to me is 
Prague, I don't have that in my, you know, just one dude. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go off into like a three minute instrumental thing or whatever. So, but having said that, a lot of those prog rock albums are conceptual, you know, and, and for that, I do think there's an overlap. So you look at a Yes album cover and it's like, well, I want to go to that place, you know, or that, that feeling, like I said, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway or bands like, I don't know, Camo or Nectar, they, they're very, or King Crimson, you know, you look at the album covers and they're very fantastical sci-fi or whatever. So I think in that sense, there is one, but for psych rock, to me, psychedelic is just surrealism. It's like not a reality. It's like an other reality. You're creating another reality that is not this reality. And that, yeah, I do have that. I, I mean, well, I am very inspired by that. Like definitely Pink Floyd, definitely the Beatles, definitely, you know, they weren't prog, but especially like that magical mystery tour era Beatles, those songs are not, the reality of you know of of rock and roll they sort of take you to another yeah. place but know? what okay well like like because i can make a conclusion at least and i may be wrong it's like i was listening to sticks and i was thinking i think sticks is prog rock i do think sticks is prog rock okay I, but I it's think, on the spectrum yeah. maybe towards the end of wanting to drift off but it also depends is it a tommy song you know tommy's a much more right. rocker you right. know, and, and Dennis is much more of the conceptual theatrical right. dudes, you know, so you get both of those sensibilities in there from those dudes, but you, you feel the, the pull too, you know, Tommy wanted them to rock a lot more and Dennis DeYoung wanted this, <laughs> yes. you know, <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they worked until they didn't. Exactly. Exactly. But there is that in there. So, so and I do think they're prog because they do have the long, I mean, to me, it's the real instrumental. It means progressive. It means like you're taking these things that are more from, it isn't like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, outro, you know, now the songs are becoming influenced by maybe classical song structure from classical music or whatever it might be, or jazz. Um, and, and I don't have that. I'm very much an intro, verse, chorus, ver I love that structure of songs. Um, I like to get to the point and go, you know? So I guess maybe you could say that it's kind of got the vibe of prog rock without being prog rock. I think so. People said prog rock to me. So I was like, sure, prog rock, what the hell? And even in, if you listen to, uh, you know, uh, the single, and I'm making air quotes, uh, White Plume Mountain, there's an instrumental section in there that I would say that's sort of proggy. That's a little proggy where the keyboards come in and stuff like that. It starts out like more of a Black Sabbath-y type of thing. Yeah. But goes into a little bit of a prog territory. So I, you know, that to me is borderline. But it is, if I think prog rock, people would look at my songs and see that they're under four minutes and they would be like, not prog. <laughs> Definitely not prog. Um, and I, I love prog rock. So I... I don't know that I would say I'm prog, but psych rock seems more, more like it to me. But at the end of the day, any one of these songs, I can strum on an acoustic guitar. I mean, that's how I write them on the piano or the acoustic guitar. So they have that. So I've been listening to, I think it's Sean Lennon. Is it a Lennon Claypool experience? Yeah, the Delirium. Delirium, yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> love I, the, that stuff. Okay. So then I also started going back a little bit to, to um, Sean Lennon. Now, mm -hmm. would you consider consider that prog rock? Um, I would like, 
the stuff with with the delirium i would i think it's okay. prog because i do think less has that, those tendencies together they encourage those tendencies in yeah. each other but sean lennon's solo stuff with with ghost of a saber tooth tiger or his own solo albums like friendly fire um i think he's more well he's more psych to me although it depends okay. depends what like his band the ghost of a saber tooth tiger to me is psych i would call it psych because he's it's very like um it creates that these are these names mean nothing i'm just telling you what they what they mean to me that's what they mean to me to me psych rock creates a reality you listen to yeah. it and you're and you're somewhere else you know it's it's like if i'm listening to acdc i'm here in the usa listening right. to rock and roll you know it isn't a different world you know but if i listen to pink floyd i feel like i'm elsewhere you know yeah yeah that's, that's the way that i would that, that i would describe and sometimes it. not good places too. <laughs> Some place not good places for sure, for sure, for sure. You know, right? I guess what you're saying is they don't have to be fantastic or sciency realms. They could just be. I'm in an institution. But I already get injected with stuff that doesn't make me happy to think about. Yeah, exactly. This song is not. You know, it's not. I want to hold your hand. It's like exactly. I'm putting you in that place, and you as a listener have now gone to that place. You know, um, which is. Yeah, exactly. We're building the wall. When you listen to the wall, you're like. So is it is it in a sense that maybe you can also think of a music video that would be choreographed a certain way that kind of uh, kind of perpetuates that kind of feeling? Yeah, yeah. It's it's visual. A lot of it's visual for me, definitely. Like the video for Robot Police is all these little wind up toy robots. I'm about to watch. I didn't realize you had videos. Yeah. So you, you did that's all. Right. In, in fact, I got confused because I knew you had the songbook in the cd yeah but i don't have i don't have a cd player i don't have any way of i don't know if i can get a cd onto my computer but I, actually that's so my first two albums are streaming so it's on apple it's on spotify so you can listen to it there no problem so if you look up loot the body on spotify or amazon oh you, you said it's on apple spot yeah. uh, oh i did not know that yeah so if you look if you look me up there my first two albums are streaming on all the major platforms oh so that i could just buy like so i can just buy the i can just buy the get the song book and then keep the cd as a souvenir and then i can just stream through apple yeah you don't have to you can just stream you can just stream it i don't you don't have I want, to buy, I, I, want the, I want the song book <laughs> If you want, you want to, hold on. So I got, so there's this guy, this is going back to um, finding people who, who sort of resonate with what you do and having a scene. There's this guy, he goes by the name Fuzzy Cracklins. And <laughs> yes. And he, he runs like a record club on Bandcamp where in, in a record club slash label and what he did and i sent is this, him is this the swamp records exactly yeah i sent him my album for review and he said oh that's really cool i want to do like an interview sure so i did an interview for the blog and then he's like hey would you be cool if we ran like some cds of your album I'm like sure sure and so he's like well send me the artwork and all so he's he he's the guy who like it's I can't tell you how amazing it is to me, you know, that somebody would do that. So he paid to, to run the, the CDs and, and he sells them. And then I told him, you know, I've been 
checking out all these zines um, in the RPG space. And it would be cool to make a zine that has the lyrics and I would do new artwork. And so he said, yeah, yeah, go for it. So I, I looked up, you know, I, th I think, are you a member of that Facebook group for zines? Oh yeah, I'm an admin. Yeah, so I, I you might have seen my post. I don't yeah. know, but I posted on there and dude, what I talk about scenes, people are just so generous with information. It's just oh, yeah. the, the coolest, you know? So because of Maxim, I, I ran, I ran off, you know, I gave him, I made a zine with my, with the lyrics and I thought it would be cool. If you like the adventure and you like the album, you can have the lyrics and you can have artwork for it. I just thought it, you know, I wanted to make something. And so fuzzy, said yeah we'll give him you know we'll sell him with the cd so that's how that came about it was totally like spot it's it was actually driven by him um and sort of that's where that came from so did you buy that you bought the cd from him no what happened okay. was going to but then i went back to ban so the problem is these sites just confuse me yeah and so i went to so i went look back at Bandcamp, and so i couldn't see where to buy the cd i was like oh maybe he sold out of them all yeah, so I don't sell the CDs he does. He's yeah. is that sort of his his thing. I told him, yeah, go for it. You know, he said, well, I'll I'll run off this many. I'll give you this many, and then I'll sell the rest. I said, great. You know, so Fuzzy's got his thing going on. And then I had another dude reach out to me. He's like, hey, do you? He runs a label called Wear Gnome Cassettes, and he wants to run the Barrier Peak Songbook on cassette. It's like, sure. Go for it. So in next month, it'll be available. And that blows my mind because I hate cassettes. You know why I hate cassettes? Because I had cassettes. Yes, exactly. You know? I, yeah, I hear you. I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not enamored with them either. No, it was my format of choice by necessity for many years. But I'm, I'm I mean, I vinyl, I get vinyl, but cassettes, I, I don't get it. But still, like, I'm, I'm, He's wearing home records is making the Barry Peak songbook on cassette. Um, very cool because that touches into this whole other genre of dungeon synth and stuff like that. They're very cassette based, um, which is a whole world that I'm barely dipping my toe into, but yet another scene of some very cool people. Dungeon synth is a, a whole other genre. Are you hit with dungeon synth? Yeah. What is that? So dungeon synth is this style of music that, think has a lot in common believe it or not with hardcore almost like death metal except if you can imagine that type of music played on a cheesy casio keyboard <laughs> <laughs> it's super interesting it's super interesting and the aesthetics are so specific and i every time i talk about it i hear myself sounding like an old man so i'm not the right spokesperson for it but the, but there is an overlap well there is an overlap with D&D. A lot of people that are into Dungeon Synth play D&D and they like, for them, it's evocative of a lot of the early video game type of music, you know, where it would be All just right. a simple chip, you know? Um, and so imagine an NES or, or something like, you know, music for early Zelda games, except maybe it's a little more Gothic sounding, a little darker, you know? To me, the better Dungeon Synth, to me, sounds like, reminds me of a John Carpenter soundtrack. You know, it's a retro synth, but it's creepy. Right. You know, I, I, when that's the kind of stuff I like, when I hear some, 
some dungeon stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, that reminds me of like Escape from New York or or those you know those cool John Carpenter keyboard soundtracks. Um, there's some of that overlap. It's a trip. I mean, I'm you know like I said, I, I I I'm an old man. Whenever I start talking about these things, I it's a thing I had no idea existed. It's funny, isn't it? It's it, great. And, and the thing is, the internet makes it possible because that's how people can communicate. So yeah. now you can have a, a sub, 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 genre. A niche but, of a niche of a niche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> niche, niche, niche. yeah, it's just like all of a sudden it's like, well, there's 20 people in the world and they all just, uh, they're getting together and doing this thing. Yeah. And 20 people online is a good amount of people. You know, yeah. if, they, if they get like, they, maybe they're scattered all across the world and they wouldn't make a difference in that way. But online, they make a difference. It's pretty cool. Have, have you uh, ever uh, heard of uh, Filk? Filk. Yeah. Wait. Hold on. Is it folk music? You bet it's a science is... fiction theme. Yes. Yes, I have. I have. I find that's the most bizarre thing. Yeah. Somebody, somebody sent me something. Somebody said, well, at least you're not writing Filk or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> somebody on Reddit said that to me, I think. And then I had to look it up. <laughs> Like a whole musical about like Star Trek type of stuff, but folk, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I, you know, I wonder, you know, how that all, read, but there are dire people that, I mean, that's what they do. You know, and, I think some of that, I may be wrong, but I think some of that might have originated as Star Trek conventions. Like yeah, it was performers, at a Yeah, yeah, performers for, or maybe after the con in a hotel room with some guitars or something. Yeah, and the next thing they're, they're even the, um, as a CJ, uh, her name's Cherry, but her, she put an H at the end of it. But they've done her series. They've done like different books and yes, they've done that. So it's, it's really they're all over the place. And there's yeah. bardcore too. Bardcore is a is another genre. What bardcore? No. You heard of bardcore? No. Yeah, you should look that up. There's a whole. I mean, these I had no idea. You know, I wandered into this music, and then people. When I wandered into it, people are like, oh, we've been here. You know, like, <laughs> take a number, Mr. Luthabody. <laughs> You're nothing special. Um, yeah, there's it's there's a lot of, but also like, what is that, nerd? Like nerdcore or nerd? It was like nerdy rap type of stuff too. That's, to me, seems like, you know, the pebble that Weird Al flicked is now a boulder, you know, um, it reminds me of some of that stuff that, you know, people rapping about code, <laughs> people rapping about right. coding certain, you know, it's like, oh, wow, that's, I mean, if anything, it's encouraging to me that my niche of a niche makes it, <laughs> makes it more legitimate. Well, you know, I, cause you, know, we both grew up during an age when RPGs was first vilified and then I would say, then after it was vilified, it was just not looked upon favorably. It's like, you know, I would not want any of my peers or whatever to, for the longest time, know I played RPGs. It was just, yeah. and um, uh, not for hours going with this. <laughs> um, but now we live in an age where, uh, you know, that's no longer the case and that people yeah. can uh, put these things out. And not, oh, and, you know, what I realized was, I think what kind of helped me more later on was like, if you go to sporting events, there's people that like paint their faces, yeah, wave signs and scream like crazy people. Yeah. Like I'm thinking I don't cosplay, but it's like, how are they more dignified than a cosplay yeah. player? It's like, no, they're actually less dignified. People can go acting crazy and do all this stuff. It's like, 
Why, why are people who just want to do nerdy things looked down upon? And yeah. I think we're finally to the point where that's starting to change. I think so. I mean, you know, people criticizing the fact that people like to watch streamers, you know, how can you watch somebody play a video game? How can you watch somebody play football? You know, yeah, I don't, like, I don't get either one, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm glad people do. I'm not going to yuck people's yum, but yeah, I don't get either one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the impulse has to be related. It's just a different thing, you know? Oh, right. It is the same. Yeah. Right. You're right. You're watching. Yeah. Right. Exactly. People are, who spend all that time watching a, a game, right. It's no different than watching somebody play a video game yeah. or somebody watching somebody play a, a board game or a RPG. Exactly. Exactly. And I've watched my fair of, like I told you, you know, learning these systems, I watched my fair streams and there are some that are better than others, more entertaining than others. Some of them that are probably really fun to play are really boring to watch, you know, it's so you got, and then some of them that are really like entertaining, you know, might not, might be a lot of pressure to be entertaining, you know, like as opposed to just have fun, you got to be entertaining, right. you know, so, but well, I think the thing is, is that what they all share in common, even sports is, you know, I'm, if I look at sports, I'm like, eh, I don't care. But if you, if you care about one team or both teams, what you're seeing is a narrative unfolding as play progresses. Yeah. There's a story that's being told. Yeah. But you don't know what the story is going to be till the end. Right. And so I think part of it is that mystery of what's the story going to be. Right. And that's what the announcers, I mean, that's what the announcers do in football. You know, we got number 48. He's from a little town in Omaha. His mother told him when he was a kid, you know, they're yeah. giving you that story so that when he wins or loses, you're invested. I mean, that's, that's what's going on. It's just the, they're the flavor text. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, I think uh, we're hitting the time space continuum. Are you going to edit all this? I hope, or are people going to listen to this whole thing? If somebody made it to the end, I'm, all right, whatever it is, if somebody makes it to the end of this podcast, send me a little DM, send me an email, and I'll send you a code for one of my albums. Oh, did you hear that? So if you make it to the end. <laughs> Just send me a DM, and I'll send you a code for a, for a, a free download on Bandcamp. Oh, that, that's amazing. So what I'll do is I will put, the, uh, put all that info in the show notes. But don't tell them about this. This is the Easter no, egg. No, Somebody they will. Quoted. They will, will. That will not be in the the, the show notes. But how to contact you will be in the show. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Just DM me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Or my, I'll, I'll give you my email. Well, why don't you just go ahead and give it now? I'll, I'll I'll put it in the show notes. But go ahead and tell me what your your. So um, on Twitter, I'm on at loot the body, and that's and that's really why the band's called loot the body because I couldn't believe loot the body just. L-O-O-T-T-H-E-B-O-D-Y was available. There's like some people that have underscores and this is just at Loot the Body on Twitter. Okay. Um, and on Instagram, um, I'm Loot the Body Band because at Loot the Body was taken. So I'm Loot the Body Band on Instagram. And you can email me at bodylooter <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if that triggers anything. I wonder if the NSA is right? monitoring. I mean, that. My goodness, I love that body looter. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find you know whatever I could find, but probably Twitter. I would say if you DM me on Twitter, is probably the best way to get a hold of me. But um, yeah, awesome. Okay, well, well, thanks again, Levi. I appreciate it. No, my pleasure. My pleasure, and good luck with this. I hope. Uh, 
I'll, I'll publicize it when it comes out. I hope uh, that means something. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll plan on uh, Saturday. Cool. All right. Thanks again. All right. Have a good one. <laughs>